Hey everyone, welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, four to six of us get together and discuss a movie. At the end of the episode, we announce the movie for the following week. All movies are available from streaming services, either as part of your subscription or to rent. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Josh Dean. Heidi Ho. Nathan Kinney. Scooby-Doo. And Zach Rowland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these weirdos are going to be talking about uh, Mississippi Grind in a bit. That was Josh's suggestion. But first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Zach, what have you been watching lately? Um... I have been uh, perusing multiple different things, but what I'd like to talk about are uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, which I've mentioned before. I'm finally caught up. Wonderful show. Um, I can't wait to see the finale, which I believe is next week or whenever this comes out. Who knows? Um, But uh, yeah, it's a great show. Um, As well as I finished the second season of this great show on uh, the History Channel called Project Blue Book, um, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, What's that about? It's about... It's about uh, the two guys uh, who went to uh, research uh, UFO sightings during the 50s and 60s. Okay. Uh, one of them is an Air Force pilot, and the other one is a scientist. And um, it's all based off of uh, true events, actual things that happened, uh, obviously fictionalized for you know, storytelling purposes, but really good, really interesting. Um, the second season's even better than the first season. And I feel like the you know the episodes don't really drag. They... they have a good momentum overall. Um, and I'm all kinds of into, you know, UFO stuff and uh, things like that. So that was really fun. And then a movie that I just watched recently that I had never heard of before, but I caught on a free previewing of uh, Showtime is Charlie Says. And um, it's uh, Matt Smith plays Charlie Manson. And uh, hmm. it's about the three girls, three of the girls who were incarcerated for the murders um, in 69. And uh, this, like, woman who helps them to sort of come to terms with the fact that what they did was wrong because they kept believing what they did was right. And then they go back and they do flashbacks about being on Spawn Ranch. Um, But I thought it was really, really well done. It's a a little over two hours long, but um, I just have been kind of getting into more of the Manson family stuff over the last year and uh, looking at um, a lot of the stories there. So that was really uh, interesting to watch. So, yeah. Did you get uh, into that from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, a little bit. Uh, that that definitely uh, sparked a little bit of my interest. I also listened to a bunch of podcasts. Um, they had like this whole series about the summer of 69 and just like uh, how much of a tumultuous year that was for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, the Manson murders being the one of the biggest things that happened that year. Um, Altamont is also a really interesting story. The, the yep. uh, big concert at Altamont. I've been listening to a lot of stuff about that, too. Um, so I think just the like 1969 has just really uh, captured me recently, and I've been getting into a lot of different things that am involved in that year. Cool. Uh, yeah. Aaron, what have you been watching? Um, been watching most of the movies that I missed because they uh, they went into theaters around this coronavirus thing. So um, <clears throat> I've been watching. I just watched. The Invisible Man, uh, which I thought was really good. Uh, the performances were good. Um, nice tension. Um, it had its problems, but it's definitely worth a watch. And uh, watched uh, the Birds of Prey movie, which I found incredibly enjoyable. And that's that's yeah. pretty much it. I also watched the Tiger King thing, but you know, everybody watched that. In the world, everybody. Everybody with Netflix. Because the damn thing was advertised on every single show. Like, you you had to actively click away at the end of a show to not watch the trailer for The Tiger King over and over and over again. Even when I was watching something newer that Netflix had put out, they were still telling me to watch The Tiger King again. I mean, it's Joe Exotic, man. What are you going to do? 
I feel like those Netflix, some of those shows are just like a car crash that you can't look away from. Well, I hadn't seen uh, Birds of Prey. Um, I'd only heard from people that uh, the character of Harley Quinn is kind of kind of ruins the movie um, from the perspective that she just sort of floats through the world and miraculously survives everything. Um, but it's not funny or, or clever in the way that something like Deadpool is. So I heard Ewan McGregor was really good. He's, he is very yeah. good. What would you think? Yeah. He was a black mask. Yeah. Other than the, there was one scene that I really was like, so turned off by for the whole like it really put me out out for the whole movie uh, can we should we talk about it or can we spoil it we can spoil birds of prey that's fine with me is it was anybody else bothered by the scene where he like rips the woman's dress off oh, and yeah. tells her to dance on the table i mean like you're supposed to be but like did they need to go that far for oh. a comic book movie like i don't right i mean I mean, they had to make him a bastard, but I mean, that was an unnecessary tonal shift on it that was just like, oh, let's do something rapey just for fun. Exactly. Well, I no. think I think at that point he was he was clearly an asshole and a psycho, but he was kind of lovable at that point because he's Ewan McGregor and they needed that scene to make it like, OK, this this guy's got to go. I mean, they could have done the same thing, but just not gone that far with it, and it would have been the same tone. I would, I without having to kind of interrupt the the lighthearted tone of the whole movie with yeah. this suddenly very graphic scene that was probably a little bit uh, uh, trigger warning ish. You know, it just wasn't necessary. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I love the movie. Otherwise, with, I agree with that one though. And like, with a female director too, I was just like kind of shocked that a female director would want to go that far. Like I get the intent behind it, but it really did totally tonally take me out of the film. And then I was just like, I totally get what you're saying too, Aaron, but man, I was like that, that moment for me was really just, ugh, ugh. it's a PG 13 movie, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure it is, but, uh, and they, they don't, it's, there's not, not like graphic nudity. It's okay. just like, um, you know, it's just uh, the in the way that just, they do it. It's a really gross situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Kind of like Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a lot like Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, well, two um, HP Lovecraft adjacent things. Um, I finally finished Lock and Key on Netflix. Um which for some reason they changed the town name of Lovecraft to Matheson, which is still fine for, uh, you know, horror fans. But, uh, uh, I really dug it. If you like the comic books, uh, they named it after watch it. Carrie Matheson from Homeland. Right. They're big fans. <laughs> it just got um, renewed for a second season. Oh, good. Okay. Cause I think they pretty much burned through most of the graphic novel stuff. Um, so they're going to have to do some all new stuff in the second season. Um, anyway, that was really good. And then last night I watched The Color Out of Space with Nick Cage. Yeah, I saw that at the Toronto Film Festival. That's uh, he doesn't go as full Cage as like Mandy, but um, <laughs> it's still uh, still very enjoyable. It's not for everybody, and it's no. it's long as hell, but <laughs> it was magical at TIFF. Being because we saw it at the screen that we saw it in was sort of set up like an Omnimax screen, so it was really big, and we're we're all kind of leaned back in our chairs because that's how the the seating setup is, and so you're there with like 500 of the biggest hardcore movie fans ever, and they're just here for weird ass Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and so in that regard it was really a good time and every time he was on screen it was just like yes <laughs> it took a while for him to get up to speed though to like you yeah know, he always like starts second kind of normal where he where yeah. he starts losing it yeah yeah oh very entertaining yeah very different from the short story but 
as close as they probably could have gotten if you're a Lovecraft man. It's a weird, weird movie. Um, so, yeah, I saw that at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, took my wife to see it. She kept forgetting what it was. She'd be like, color out of space. I don't remember what. Th-. I'd be like, crazy <laughs> Nick Cage. Oh, okay. All right. I'm done for that. Alpacas. Yes. <laughs> Tommy Chong. What's the, there's some, I don't remember it now. There's some hilarious line he has about like the alpacas have a curfew. <laughs> and he yells at somebody about it. He yells at like his daughter about it or something. He's always yelling at his son to get the alpacas in by 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are they not in there by 10 o'clock? And it's they awesome. somehow keep wandering out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Nathan, how about you? Well, uh, obviously, I watched Tiger King, but we won't talk about that. Um, I did finally get to start a series that I have been hearing good things about and had not had a chance to really delve into it, partly because it looked a little bit too much like Family Guy, I think, and uh, I'm not a big Family Guy fan at all. Uh, But I did enjoy this, and that was Tiger King. Uh, or not Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my sheet. Yeah, Sorry. Right. Uh, yes, Big Mouth. Yeah. Let's try I that. I knew we were going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Family uh, Guy and Tiger King are pretty much the same. How about that lineup, right? Uh, so I, what I was going for was Big Mouth uh, from oh, Netflix, yeah. uh, which is it's a great little show. Like I haven't got very far into it, but I'm definitely enjoying the sense of humor. Um that's that's kind of one of the things I've been watching. I do have to give a shout out though. Uh, I, I was at True False about two weeks ago, and I saw that one of the movies from True False popped up on Netflix. So we should all be not watching Tiger King and watching Crip Camp. Uh, if you have a chance to watch it, it was one of the highlights of uh, True False. Say that years. again. Crip Camp, as in crippled camp. So gotcha. it's really good. It's about the uh, disabled movement that came out of the '60s. Um, it's it's really 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 well done and it's gotcha. a lot of fun to watch i saw tiger king <laughs> i watched it um it was interesting did, for did, a few uh, episodes did tiger did the tiger king see you i don't think so i hope oh, not well. <laughs> um that's that's one of those documentaries that just sort of ends it's just sort of over um, it was a lot like McMillions in that regard. It's like, wow, this is really interesting. And, and oh, man, something, something big is going to happen, and it's over. There's, oh, there's nothing else here. I guess, I guess Tiger King 2 will answer all of my questions. Oh, In four God years. No. God, no. Like making a murderer 2 sort of answered some of my questions. Um, and I'm, um, strategically cutting the things that I've watched in half. So I have other things to talk about, but, um, sort of leading into this movie, I watched Ozark season three on Netflix and in, so I was like, I watched a couple of episodes of season three, then I watched Mississippi grind and then I watched the rest of season three. And so I went from watching a show about a riverboat gambling set, uh, set up in Ozark to watching people on a actual riverboat gambling in uh, Mississippi grind. And I was like, man, I don't think the riverboats are that small and ridiculous. Um, the one in Ozark is not right. That's not the way the, like, the boat in moat type situations are. Um, but the one in Mississippi grind is like more accurate. I grew up in St. Louis. So like, I know what they're doing. I know what they're showing and what they're talking about. Um, most of those, in fact, I don't think there's any of them anymore that actually like move. They just sit there on the edge of the water. They're just parked in the water and the law basically allows them to do that. Like they're allowed to have gambling if there's 
water all the way around the property like that. So they put these river boats out and they have gambling. Kansas City has a few of them too where I live now, but in St. Louis there's there's some on the Missouri side and at least one on the Illinois side that just sit there. And they call them boats and moats because they don't they don't move. Um, but there's also been people that have like built waterways to put riverboat casinos into. And those are like man-made boats and moats. Yeah, there's a couple in Kansas City that are like, that are like that because they, they kind of sit just off of the river, but there's a tiny little waterway that goes, yep. and then it like kind of kind of goes around the <laughs> casino part. Uh, and uh, yeah, they it's like how they get away with it it's, or whatever. It's some sort of security thing. Like they think that it's harder to rob the casino because they're surrounded by water. It's like, whatever. Whatever works. And if you've seen Lady Killers, you know that's not true. <laughs> no, I thought it had more to do with being on the border between one state and another. And so it's like an interstate commerce type deal. Like they can actually get away with not having to deal with the state's laws. No, because it's, I mean, the every one of those are commissioned by the states. And that's a big part of uh, Ozark which Ozark is completely surrounded by Missouri in the, in sure. the story of the show. Sure. sure. But um, the St. Louis side riverboats have Missouri gaming commission registrations and they pay fuckloads of taxes to Missouri. <laughs> that's what, that's how they get away with being a thing. So Missouri's like, you want to do that? Fine. We'll take 60%. Yeah, I just think that there's some laws that prevent them from just putting it on the damn shore. I mean, there's there's a reason they do it that way. I think, from what I understand, of course the states benefit from the taxes and everything else from the casino, but there's loopholes that they can get around doing certain things by putting it in the river. And so that's kind of their way to do it. Yeah, I think it has to do with like how much police you need around that amount of money. Yeah, that could be it, too. That could be it. And the water breaks up that space to make that less of a deal. So, you know, they only need, like, 75 security officers to be on at any given time, whereas if they put it on land, they'd have to have 1,500 or something. Who knows? But um, Ozark Season 3, I thought, was pretty good. Um they introduced a new character. Did anyone else watch this? Am I, sp- I spoiling oh, yeah. this for anyone? I haven't watched season three yet. Okay. They introduced a new character, Planet. and I really like the new character. Um, one of the one of the one of the birds is completely ridiculous this season. Um, but it it kind of evens itself out by the end, I guess. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it because you guys should see it. It's a good show. I've enjoyed it so far. I enjoyed season yeah. one and two, so I'm sure yeah. season three will be great. It's Agreed. definitely on my short list. I um I actually talked to or am friends with someone who um the that what's it the Blue Cat Lodge or whatever Blue mm-hmm. Cat Lounge. Um, there's not a there's not a real blue cat lounge or whatever it is, but the place that that's inspired by her family owns it. Oh, okay. Yeah, which really was a really cool connection when, we, when my wife and I were watching it, and then I was talking to my friend, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I know, you know, my family owns that place. That's supposed to be that place." And I was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy." She's like, "Yeah, nothing like that happens around there." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course, it's fictionalized." What really cracks me up is when. Uh, they'll have a character say something where you can hear that the writer looked up like Missouri equivalents of something so that they could make the line work, but it's something that no one from Missouri would ever say. So like someone's trying to, uh, there, there's a scene in season three where 
a character's in a grocery store and a bunch of people are gawking and they're like, what? Is this too uh, this too hardcore for your Webster Groves or Overland Park or whatever the fucks? <laughs> Overland Park's not even close to there. Well, no, it's <laughs> Webster Groves is part of St. Louis and Overland Park's part of Kansas City. Oh my god! And so what they're doing, what they're saying is like, are are you from the rich coddled suburbs and can't handle how us real uh. folk talk? I heard this season is very uh, Laura Linney centric, um, yep. and that she does a great job. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Or is or is John Oliver, John Oliver's Harding trailer calls her Laura fucking Linney. <laughs> Maybe she, Jason Dateman had to split duties with this other show he's been on and had to give her the the reins that might make sense because there is a surprising lack of jason bateman in yeah, this season i bet he split his duties with that stephen king show he's on yeah the outsider which i also watched um he directed the first two episodes of that and he's a guy <laughs> i know he's directed ozark in the past i don't i'm not sure if he directed any of season three i don't remember if i saw his name come up or not so that's a good question Moving on to our movie this uh, this episode, Josh suggested Mississippi Grind. Um, we all watched it at least once, and uh, <laughs> um, who had who's seen it before? Just Josh, okay. Um, <laughs> the inaudible response there. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, yeah. Josh raised his hand. Because <laughs> none of these fuckers know how audio works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I'll start, you weirdos. Um, I, uh, I, I actually watched this twice um, because things being as weird and crazy as they are, we've had to reschedule this recording. Um, so I watched it right before uh, the original time we were going to watch it, and then I've, enough time had gone by that I needed to watch it again, so I watched it again last night. Um, I liked it better the second time I watched it. I uh, didn't hate it the first time I watched it, but I was kind of uh, kind of critical of it overall. Um, I think the casting is kind of weird. Um, Ryan Reynolds in particular seems really out of place in this movie to me. Um, and I just, but I, but at the same time, like I can't decide who I would put in there instead. Like sometimes I kind of wanted it to be Vince Vaughn or something. And sometimes I wanted it to be (laughs) somebody else, but, um, even like the way like his like he has the facial hair of like a 20 year old guy and he's supposed to be 35 and it just doesn't quite doesn't quite work but um i thought overall like i think the story is really interesting um i think the acting is really good the performance is really good um it's another one of these like small movies that you know don't get made anymore like this wasn't this wasn't a $1 million movie and it wasn't a hundred million dollar movie. It was somewhere in the middle. And, um, uh, I think, you know, just to kind of start the discussion, one of the things that I picked up on that I thought was really cool was that at the beginning and the end of the movie, um, the, uh, Jerry is listening to his, uh, cassette of poker tells or whatever, you know, he's, always listening in the car to this thing about tells and uh at the beginning of the movie they talk about how people furrow their brow when they're concerned or when they're trying to you know figure something out and at the end they talk about how if someone sort of relaxes their shoulders and squares them off that they're satisfied in both cases at the beginning and the end of the film um the character jerry does what the guy's saying as he's saying it. 
So he furrows his brow and looks concerned in the beginning, and his shoulders come to a rest at the end and square off. I was trying to figure out when I first watched the first 10 minutes, not having any real clue about this movie. I mean, I knew it was about gambling just from the title alone and I think the cover, but did anybody else kind of wonder if he was like listening to something that like autistic people listen to when they're trying to understand people's emotions or something? Did that cross anybody's mind? Nope. No, not really. But, well, no. And, and the reason I thought that was partly because of the way he was in the car. He was just so non-emotional about listening to the whole thing, and he, he just struck me as like, okay, maybe he's going to be like this Asperger's gambler, and he's going to go in and gamble, but he's going to have to like l- literally interpret their body, you know language just by what he sees and is what he's learned from this tape i was friends with enough people between like 2004 and 2006 when texas hold'em suddenly became like a televised hot topic event um i actually know somebody who's like played in the world series and all of that who hadn't previously played the game like they got into it then but i knew right away when they started playing it that it was about poker tells I mean, it was literally not until he meets uh, Ryan Reynolds in the bar later where you actually see his real personality. It was literally until that moment I was like, oh, he's not autistic or something. I was I would literally kind of wondered. <laughs> Maybe I've just seen uh, Rain Man too many times. I don't know, but that, that's <laughs> where I was kind of going with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn does have a little bit of that uh, that same... Uh, sort of look on his face a lot of the time. But yeah, I didn't get that at all. I'm kind of with Dale. I, I know people who played poker during that time. I also play poker and uh, have played a lot of poker. Um, so like this was a, this movie was a lot of anxiety for me. Um, <laughs> and I'm now back on a big poker kick. I've been playing it on Red Dead Son Redemption. A- I now have so down- sorry. I've downloaded poker games on my uh, on my phone again. So thanks, Josh. If you yelled, um, we can't lose into your wife's ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't lose. <laughs> we can't lose. <laughs> we can't lose. <laughs> Which is just not. It's. I was just like, uh, they're gonna lose every time. <laughs> so did yeah. anyone else feel like they? Uh, they shot two different endings to this movie. Yes. <laughs> Didn't Did you feel that way? Absolutely. Did anybody almost, else feel... Uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. Um, did anybody else feel that the end of the movie, like when he rolls the dice, um, that the the next five minutes were kind of in his head? Like yeah. how he wanted yes. the night to go. There's something off yeah. about it. Yeah. When you see the lobster, when you see the lobster, and he starts talking about how the steak tastes weird, I'm like, none of this is real. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no, I thought it was all too real because I mean, he's just never happy where he is. Like he's just he can't win enough to ever be mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. So I didn't think it yeah. was a dream per se, but I did think that like they shot the. They shot him doubling his money in such a way that it made it look like he just lost it all. And then they cut to the lobster and they show Ryan Reynolds is just like, I love America. Like, this is this is awesome. Um, it, it, they, I mean, it's like they did that for that joke. But it made it feel like they shot an ending where they just lost and went back to their lives. I'm sure this did not happen in real life, but it felt like they shot that ending and Disney was like, nope, you gotta, gotta change that up. It's like, Disney, you didn't make this movie, but we're telling you. Yeah. I I did feel a sad ending though. I mean, even though he won, it's a sad ending. It's, it's all sad. No matter how you look at it. There, there are two scenes in that movie that I just thought were perfect. Um, one was the dog track where it kept looking back at Ryan Reynolds' face as as Ben Mendelsohn's character was just like, oh my god, this is amazing, you know? And and everything is falling apart. Come on, and then, Toto. Come on, yeah. Toto. 
And then the uh, the final scene of the movie where he's getting into his car and it turns over and, and his CD kicks on and he puts up the picture of his child. But um, while he is doing what the uh, CD says, the camera actually shifts focus to the reflection of the American flag uh, being upside down which is a sign of distress. And I thought that was really well done. And then that's how the movie ended. <laughs> yeah. Well, the scene that I was, one of the scene, hardest scenes for me to watch was the house game that they played about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, where yeah. he, the bad beat. He loses. Uh, the bad beat. He loses on oh. the river. And yeah. it's just because I can't tell you, I played a hand earlier today. That I just <laughs> was so <laughs> mad at myself, and I was well, like, ten thousand. It was. It was ten thousand. <laughs> My God, and, what, uh, what have we done? <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I should have known better. I shouldn't have gone all in on on the flop. I gotta, I gotta wait. You know, like I gotta play that, play that game. This is uh, exactly <laughs> what I don't miss from that period of time: is people's <laughs> fucking poker stories, <laughs> like. I have a friend who was big into it. She was big into like watching all of it and and studying how people played and she studied people when she played and she was really really good. And every time I saw her, she wanted to tell me like 20 minutes worth of stories about what had happened to her since the last time I'd seen her or from last <laughs> night's game or whatever like that. And I finally said to her, "Look, you're doing well." I'm, I'm happy for you, but unless I stake you, which I'm willing to do, unless I stake you, I don't ever want to hear about any of this shit again. <laughs> the best part of Zach's story was he, he was like, well, I, pl- I play poker a little bit too. You know, I was on Red Dead Redemption <laughs> the other night. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, let's, well let's my just, wife is very adamant about that she'll I'll be playing uh, poker on Red Dead and then she'll leave for like three hours and she'll come back and I'll still be playing poker and she's like why what are, <laughs> we need a remake what? of this movie where everybody's playing Pokemon Go <laughs> Pokemon Go with stakes I'm down for that <laughs> It'd be a period I, I'm gonna, piece. I'm, I'm gonna put twenty thousand down on a Charizard, but I got a hard tell on a Charizard. Okay, Pokemon how can we do that, polls. Nathan? We're we're social distancing. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess those apps went out with the the last couple of weeks, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> they no, created um, Pokemon at home. The new uh, the new iPad Pro and the new iPhone are gonna make AR like way way better than they are right now. So I would imagine that there's gonna be some kind of new Pokemon game that takes advantage of that. They're putting like awesome lidar capabilities into those devices, and uh, that's what it's good for is for AR and like it can measure things through the camera and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So, well, Josh, why in the hell did you uh, suggest this movie? <laughs> this movie. So, I hadn't seen it since I originally saw it, and I remembered it being one of my favorite movies that year. What, 2015? I guess it yep. came out. Um, the man and woman that made it uh, also made Half Nelson, one of my favorite mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling movies. Fantastic movie. Yeah, and um, and the super mediocre Captain Marvel. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds I feel like gets typecast a lot as like super goofy guy, um, and Ben Mendelsohn I he came out of nowhere like six years ago, and all of his performances before he became uh, go to bad guy in every mm-hmm. movie, um, I love like Killing Them Softly or Killing Me Softly what, uh, that Brad Pitt movie, what was that one? Uh, Help me out, guys. Killing, I think it's Killing Them Softly. Killing Them Softly. He's amazing in that. And then, um, yeah, I saw this, and I was like, okay, I'm a Ben Mendelsohn fan now. Um, but, uh, yeah, since then, he's just Ready Player One and Rogue One and anything with a one in it where he can be a villain, that's what he does. He's the lead but, in The Outsider um, on HBO. Yeah. Is, oh, is he? Yep. 
Is this a mm. movie you stumbled across or one you actually went out and watched because you wanted to? I don't know. I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> uh, Were you doing a lot of drinking back in 2015? <laughs> it's all fuzzy. It's I was dropping a lot of acid and uh, <laughs> I thought I was talking to Ben Mendelsohn for a while. Um, yeah, no, I think I sought it out. I would have to have sought it out because I didn't... It didn't come on anything like uh, it didn't come to the theaters or anything like that. Um, my friends and I try to watch as many movies that come out in a year as possible, which is a fool's errand. But um, something about it made me seek it out. And uh, uh, yeah, it uh, you know as a narrative, it oh sorry, its, it's worldwide gross is four hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars. That sounds right. So, I think it only came out in theaters for like a day or something. Um, to be like Oscar worthy and then went straight to video. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like the way it's put together. I like the acting a lot. Um, I, uh, there's a movie from the seventies called California split. Have any of you seen that? No, uh, it's a Robert Altman movie with, uh, Elliot Gould and, uh, hmm. Peter Siegel and there it's the exact same movie. Basically it's like two gambling buddies that, uh, keep running into hard luck and, um, kind of their misadventures as they travel around. Um, so this felt like a spiritual sequel to that. Um, I don't know. I just liked it. It made me see Ryan Reynolds in a different way. Made me like Ben Mendelsohn even more. Um, this, this reminded me of the old, uh, road to movies. Like road to, Bo- oh, road the, to yeah, Bali Bob and Hope. stuff. Yeah. 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 I could see that. I will say that, um, Ryan Reynolds' accent was all over the place. During all this over movie. the place. I noticed this time. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> "Where are you from, brother? Where are you? What are you doing? I just just pick one uh, region of the country and stick with it. That's all. Um, or just be yourself. I think just him talking would have been just fine. There was like a little bit of Jersey, a little bit of Southern. I didn't know where he was coming from. Uh, I will say, however, that I'm glad that you picked this movie. This is not one that I would have picked myself or even thought about or ever even heard of from 2015. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, despite the uh, high anxiety and uh, uh, need to get back into playing Texas Hold'em. Um, on I, on I really, Red Dead. On Red Dead, yeah. <laughs> I uh, really, really liked it. I From beginning to end, I enjoyed a lot of it, and, and it just kept me uh, enthralled throughout most of the film. And yeah, it was, I thought it was a solid choice. I think my mistake watching it the first time was that um, I was reading way more into the movie than there was. Um, I was sure that Ryan Reynolds was a con the entire way. That's what I thought the first time I saw and, it. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that he was responsible for the stabbing and on and on and on. Like all of the stuff that happens was like his plan. And then when that kind of falls by the wayside, it's like, oh, it's just a movie about two guys, and it's literally just a series of events. Like, we're, it's just a character study. It's not, there's there's not this, like, you know, uh, sort of twist to figure out. So... The second time I watched it, like knowing all of that and knowing how all that worked, it was like, oh, well, I can, like, I, I should have just trusted Ryan Reynolds. I think that's that was the problem for me with it being Ryan Reynolds was like, he can, he's he's the chameleon, he's the trickster, he's there's something up with him, and if it had been somebody a little bit more, um, I don't know, like, I I thought of Vince Vaughn only in that there's some scenes in this that are kind of swingers esque that like uh, uh, an older, sadder Vince Vaughn would have been, would have been good in that role. But it's also, I think it makes sense and it's important to the story that that character is younger than Jerry, that Jerry's like been this way for a really long time. And he's really never going to stop being this way. Um, even though he was married to Calamity Jane for a while. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of notes on this that it reminded me of a, every 
the whole thing when we were watching it reminded me of a couple of specific movies. Uh, one, it kind of reminded me a lot of Midnight Cowboy. Um, okay. And I think it's I think it's because Ben Mendelsohn's character is very much patterned off of a very similar type character as Dustin Hoffman's character. Um, just kind of a weird outsider loser type character who isn't really going to ever get it together by the end of the film. You're really stuck uh, on Rain Man. Well, maybe I, yeah. Well, I, I think also there was something about the tone in this movie. You know, there's a, yeah, there's a distinct, there's a distinct lack of like technology in this. And I mean, there's a couple of cell phone calls, that sort of thing. But really, if you had framed this in the seventies, it could have felt like one of those movies of like the alters that were coming out of the seventies. Honestly, it's got kind of that dark tone to it. Felt like something that Coppola could have done way back in the day. Um, so I I feel like that's probably what helped me lend it, lean towards uh, Midnight Cowboy on it. But the other thing that kind of came up, and we were watching, and we were talking about that that craps game right in the middle of the movie where we thought it was a dream afterwards. Um, I think it kind of reminded me a ton of uh, just watching Uncut Gems. And just these these two just ridiculously stupid decision makers constantly through the whole movie, and I think that was that kind of set us on edge a little bit when we were watching it because they just kept making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision through the whole thing, and there he is, and they even close up on him like, let's let's bet it all, let's bet it all, and I just kind of felt like. That's just that's just Adam Sandler throwing shit to the wind one more time, and it just felt reminiscent of it enough that we were like, "Oh, this is definitely not going to go well." So when it came out that it went well, it was just kind of like, "Oh, that felt really tonally different than I was expecting." It definitely led itself to a, a bleak end, and it wasn't quite as bleak as I expected. I agree. Yeah. And I will it, say, I think, I mean, aside, accent aside, I thought Ryan Reynolds, it was nice to see him perform more of a straight role. I've, I'm so used to seeing him playing comedy dickheads, you know, that this was <laughs> a kind of nice change for him, honestly. Even though he definitely leaned into that at parts of the movie, for sure. Um, it, it was a good role for him, I kind of thought. Yeah, Absolutely. it's just weird, like, that... Like, the movie is from both of their perspectives, sort of. That's why I say it's like a character study. Like, it just has scenes of people doing things. It's not, like, Jerry's story. It's not Curtis's story. Um, Whereas, like, something like Uncut Gems, it's about Adam Sandler, and you feel the anxiety that Adam Sandler feels as he continuously ratchets up how much he owes and how insane what he's doing is to get out of debt and and then he has something to get out of debt and he banks it all and yeah but there's moments in there especially with ben Mendelssohn's character i the, the one that's really popping in my head is when uh we were talking about it a minute ago uh that ryan reynolds character is watching him at the track and watching just how insane he actually is as a, a compulsive gambler and just kind of taking that in. And that's what I kind of got out of that is that I lost my train of thought here, but yeah, you know where I was going with that. Yeah. So um, that threw me I off. haven't seen uncut, <laughs> uncut gems. It's uh, one of the ones that I've been looking forward to, to seeing. Um, but that's an interesting comparison that I, I don't know. Yeah. I would have had to have made having seen Adam, the Adam Sandler movie, but um I thought it was kind of uh, not necessarily like Rounders. I don't know if you guys have seen Rounders. Uh-huh. It's another oh, yeah. yeah card movie. Um, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of the plot and what they're doing. And there's you know, there's a whole thing behind it and a science behind it and this and that. Um, John Malkovich and his Oreos. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, that's what I was thinking of a little bit in terms of like, well, what are other card movies that I've seen where there's this sort of like desperation to succeed um you know in in this world of card playing and gambling and um but other I mean, card it, it movies really, with outrageous accents yeah <laughs> uh it's always got to be one i will um, splash the pot if i want to 
but uh yeah i i i get i get where the the there's that transference of um that feeling in terms of like what you guys were saying with uncut gems and so like thinking about what other movies are people so desperate that they're making bad decisions and uh you know and gambling so to speak but maybe on different things you know um even to the degree of like baby driver you know yeah. where it's just like god why this guy you, this kid could get out or whatever you know uh, the other kevin spacey flick um white <laughs> white men can't jump there you go yeah art yeah. eight yeah. <laughs> oh, what's that? What's that one with Damon Williams? Mo Money. You guys remember Mo Money? Oh, yeah. Remember, Mo Money. yeah. remember Damon Williams? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, you're usually seeing the plot of this movie in a uh, like alcoholic or drug addict narrative. You know, you, you're really yeah. getting the the gambling addict in a movie. Uh, most of the time, it uh, gambling is like a hero sport in the movie, like yes. Cincinnati Kid or Rounders or something. Maverick. But, uh, Maverick, exactly, yeah. Here, it's just, uh, it's like the as low as you can get, yeah. Yeah, God, Maverick, when I, that final scene, or not final scene, but when that final moment comes where he throws the fucking Ace of Spades out, ugh, I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Johnny Ringo. I forgot you was there. You may go. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it was a really good movie. There were some weird choices made. Like, they have Alfred Woodard for one scene. <laughs> scene. One scene, and, and it's absolutely perfect. I really thought that she was going to call him a liar because I thought that guy that robbed him, that tried to rob him, was one of her guys. And uh, because she kept like, oh, you got robbed by a meth head? Did you? <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh man, she's about to bust him on this. And I was on the edge of my seat the entire scene. And they're just sitting there eating breakfast. It was the it was the strangest feeling. It was great. Everybody in this movie is only in like a scene besides Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. Like we get Sienna Miller for a scene. We get uh, uh, what's her name, the Calamity Jane, for a scene. That's about it. What about the guy, the story of the guy that he tells that he eventually ends up going to the oh, guy's house? Yeah. The New Orleans house he's party like, guy? Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm here for the for the tournament. I'm friends with him or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Wham! Socks him. It's fucking great. I really liked that, actually. I thought that was pretty pretty perfect. Because it does almost make Ryan Reynolds out, like you were saying, Dale, where like there are, there are moments where he is very con man. And I think it's in his stories, you know? Like he he uses those stories to con people into believing whatever or you know his sense of confidence, um, but clearly none of his stories are true. Yeah, yeah. Except that he does collect losers. I think like all his stories are about losers. If you pay attention at the beginning, and um, yeah, I think the one the girl calls him out on it. Sort of like hey, remember when that guy screwed you over or whatever. And uh, I feel like that's part of his character the, is to just drawn to these guys. The line. Uh, the the note that Jerry leaves him at the end of the movie says something about um, Machu Picchu. It, it Machu says Picchu Machu Picchu, Picchu, but it also says um, from one of your like wonderful losers. You you beautiful is, loser. You, he calls yeah. him a beautiful loser, which is something that you, we we overhear Ryan Reynolds saying to those other guys after the bad beat. I only know this because I watched the movie twice. That's the only reason I put this together. But I feel like that beautiful loser thing probably uh, was meant to be more of an impact than it was. Uh, like th they maybe cut some of it out or they thought it would register more the way that it was, it was put in there. But beautiful loser should probably be up there with the whole rainbows connection thing they kept making through the movie. Because that's another like theme that went through it, and yeah, it it does seem like Ryan Reynolds's deal is latching on. Like, I don't know if he like is just entertained by losers or if they make him feel better about himself or what, but that's his deal. 
Ryan Reynolds, Curtis, the character. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if that was a working title for the whole script. <laughs> Beautiful. Loser. It actually makes more sense than Mississippi Grind. Yeah. Because Mississippi Grind is a pretty insignificant part of the movie. Yeah, it's the horse's name, isn't it? It's the horse that Ben Mendelsohn didn't bet on that Ryan Reynolds did. It's the one that beats Toto's Revenge. I did appreciate all as they were kind of working their way across the or south or whatever. I liked the all, all the like the montages of the city and the neon lights and the music that went with those. I thought that that was a nice uh, setting building that kind of carried throughout the whole movie. I also want to say that I'm really glad that uh, Tim did not kill his cat because you don't fuck with cats. <laughs> and uh, it's been a whole different movie. It's a big point of contention for me. I was like, you better not kill that fucking cat. Do not <laughs> get body move van in this. <laughs> I did also like that scene where he was in the diner with the woman and she's like, honey, I can't bring it to you right now. I'm at a thing and I, yeah, where's your daddy and all this stuff. And she was like, so what do you have for me? And he's like, I got a bad beat. You know, it's like I got robbed <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, this mom's this bookie. Yeah. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the Alfred Wooder scene. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out what their relationship was the first time I watched it. I was like, wait, are they exes? Like, I don't, I didn't understand, yeah, who they were to each other. And I, that's why I like that reveal, too. So, yeah. No, I, I, I'm glad I watched it. And um, like some of the others have said, I probably would not have watched this without the suggestion so i appreciate it no problem thumbs up i'm giving a thumbs up <laughs> thank you for narrating your your yeah. actions <laughs> i put an a-ok symbol up <laughs> <laughs> don't prolapse your anus this big <laughs> that's as that's as big as you can go <laughs> this has been the deeply disgusting podcast <laughs> Thank you all for discussing the movie with me. We'll see you on the next episode.